everybody out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in in all the details of the characters, places, concepts, and things from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm joined in my cloud car with Ross. Oh, hi, Mac. Great to be here flying over Cloud City today. Great to see you. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Bespin here a little bit. We are, and a couple of different things and people that inhabit this place. Uh, we are going to talk about the betrayal at Cloud City, our introduction to Lando. We are going to talk about Lobot, the uh, city's brain. And then <laughs> finally, we are going to talk about Cloud City itself, the city. The, the place that we're flying <laughs> yeah. over right yeah. now in our majestic ship. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to kind of uh, try to give a little bit of theming. These are going to kind of yeah. pour right one right into the other. Yeah. And uh, I think you're really going to like it. I hope so. I had fun talking about it. Me too. All right. We'll stick around. We're going to get started right after this. should have known when you said you knew how you would open it i should have known that it would be an impression oh it has to be okay fair enough who doesn't want to be the colt 45 pitchman that is billy d williams (laughs) and it's funny because billy d williams isn't even our topic tonight not really but we are talking about in a way the first time you meet him yeah a healthy dose of billy d uh what we're talking about tonight is a collection of a couple of different moments, so a couple of different scenes, a couple of different shots that make up sort of the Cloud City betrayal scene. Correct. So this is uh, from episode five. If you're not familiar, I mean, how could you not be familiar? I mean, for real, right? But this is from episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, when we first meet Lando Calrissian uh, on Cloud City. And Lendonis we're going to talk about Balthazar Calrissian. I don't know where that's from, but the, the official sources say that's his full name now. Interesting. Okay. Okay. It's got to be from Ultimate Star Wars. I don't know. Or the Essential. I don't remember from like the solo novelizations or anything. I feel it could be from there too. Yeah. I don't remember seeing anything in there. But Ladonis. Fun. What a great name. I'm here for it. All right. But yeah. So we're I'll we're talking about. In Empire Strikes Back, there's the moment where they don't have a working hyperdrive on the Millennium yeah. Falcon, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, and they realize that they're close enough to the Bespin system that Han might be able to look up Lando and pull a favor. <laughs> yeah, he, he's just pulled off his garbage trick to get away from the Empire, so he believes, and while they're not, uh, you know, they're basically, think of it like the equivalent of running on fumes. They'll get there, but it's slow going. Correct. And so they arrive at Cloud City. They're first greeted by an angry man in a cloud car who just, you know, is not having it, not letting them land. And eventually, gay, get their clearance to land. (laughs) I'm telling you, tell him I'm his friend. (laughs) Uh, And eventually we get to meet that Lando in person, that old friend in person. And we are a little apprehensive here because we land on this landing platform. You know, it's sort of like the equivalent of like a dusk, you know, like it's almost like sunset. So it's this kind of like dark gold lighting. And they're just kind of landing on this landing platform. They come down and right away, Leia's like, I don't like this. Because there's no one there to greet them. They've landed and no one's checking in on them. And then a whole croup comes out of the door Mm -hmm. and they look a little menacing you know of course these people are already on edge because they have been you know in the asteroid field almost eaten by an exagorth they have been you know uh running from the empire all kinds of crazy stuff long long day and oh also they just had to evacuate a planet too that's all recent all fresh it's been a rough couple of days yes so they're worried leia's wary han is trying to be confident for both of them and of course here comes this guy in this beautiful blue and gold outfit waltzing over to them and the first thing he says is 
you got a lot of nerve coming here after what you pulled. And right away, as the audience, you know, what are we thinking? Like, is this about, you know, to be a fist fight? Like, are they going to start shooting? Is he going to arrest them? Han said he's his friend. Is he? Yeah. He's like, already, Leia was right. Oops. And then, of course, it's revealed to us that Lando is just uh, pulling his leg here. Yeah, he, like, throws a fake punch that Han easily blocks. And he's like, what? It's like, hey, how you doing, you old pirate? He's just like completely mood switches, yeah. which is great. And we learn a lot about who Lando is yeah. in just that moment of he's this really, really charming person. And he is a good friend of Han Solo. He's been around this guy enough that he can do that. He can do such a kind of like a dirty trick because I'm sure Leia is truly scared. Yeah. And Han, the second, is like, ah, you're just messing with me. Oh, Lando. That Lando. Yeah, there's like the moment of Han loosening his tie. Like, oh, man, you got <laughs> you, me. You really got me there. You got me. And so like Lobot like dismisses the guards back into there yeah. and they just start kind of breaking the bread of like, how you been? What have you done to my ship? <laughs> and then, of course, all of a sudden he's distracted by Leia. Right, has to he leaves Han in the dust. Hello. What have we here? <laughs> and she introduces herself just as Leia. She's being very guarded, very coy, you know, still not trusting this man. Just Leia, not Leia Organa, not Leia of Alderan, just Leia. Right? right. And, you know, he of course turns on the charm right away. Uh, I'm the administrator here. Gotta throw that title in there, you know. I'm a man of import. <laughs> and 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 you know he comes up kind of like kisses her yeah. hand kind of stuff like yeah. like and then han has this just great like yolt smoothie yeah kind of the eye roll you know yeah because i like the <laughs> fact that like what we see is like he's not really threatened by lando it's not like don't move on my girl i'm just finding i got feelings for her or more importantly she's starting to find she has feelings for me it's finally working <laughs> it's finally working but i also like it's like a you get the uh he does this to everyone. Yes. Yes. It, for Han, he's just kind of expecting it, right? It's just par for the course. How you, Lando introduces himself. You old yeah. smoothie. And it really is just some incredible writing here, how effective and how efficient it comes to us learning about Lando. Like, think about that. Coming off of the, like, most successful movie of all time, essentially, the first, like, true, well, not true blockbuster, because Jaws was a few years previous, but, you know, Star Wars kind of redefined the movie-going experience. Correct. In a lot of ways. And so here you are, the sequel. You're adding this guy who inevitably is a main character. Like yes. you're breaking up the original three and you're adding a main character, our first sort of new main character since Obi-Wan. I mean, essentially, you know, like that was our other kind of main character in this group, and we hadn't had another True. person replacing him since. So here you have this character coming into the group now. This is your introduction. And, and we're like just a couple the minutes. Too, yeah. yeah, there's only 48 minutes left when they arrive at Cloud City uh, in the film, you know, in the special edition, the current version. Yeah. So it's that, you know, there's not a lot of time left. We're meeting this guy right at the end. And we learn so much about him. We learn that he's got a sense of humor. We learn that he's outgoing. He's loud. We learn that he's, uh, you know, charming or at least attempts to be. Oh, he is. He he is a charming person. Yeah, it we works. don't trust him necessarily because yes. it's it's hard. But we're starting to feel like it's like the guard comes down. Yeah, it feels like they finally arrived out of the wilderness. They find a way to make this character who they try and give you suspicions about to make him likable right away. Right, like that's their goal is to make him likable, and they're very successful. And we see some fun, again, lots of character building. We find out how deep his relationship is with Han, that he can make these kind of really, yeah. uh, you know, um, off-putting jokes. Like, he can cut that deep and not hurt Han. Because yeah, they, Han's not they, pulling they trust, his blaster on him. They've done enough stuff in the past yeah. that they have that level of relationship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, the last person who talked to Han like this, Han shot him. Yeah, that's true. So... I mean, when you think about it, it's not like Han's one to put up with this kind of stuff. That's true. Right? We've also seen that um, Lando, while he's an administrator, a man of, it seems like, you know, uh, kind of a white collar mm-hmm. kind of worker mm-hmm. now. Yeah, he's not carrying he, a blaster. He's cut from the same cloth as Han because he used to own the Millennium Falcon. And we're told, and he and Han won it from him in a card game. Like, it's implied, hey, I won it from you fair and square. Fair and square, yeah. And uh, not only fair and square, but, you know, Lando goes on to say, like, I've had adventures on this ship, too. Right. It wasn't just Han. She's the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. Absolutely. 
Uh, <laughs> and so then he starts walking our char- characters and we start to see Cloud City, which uh, we're actually going to talk about that later today. So I'm not going to get into the design of it. We but. will. But something important happens here as they're walking through Cloud City. 3PO gets distracted. A doorway opens and he sees another protocol droid very similar to himself. But he's like, oh, another module. Hey. He does. He, he He's very pleased. And then he hears some chirping. He goes, that sounds like an R2 unit. I wonder if, I, like, of all the luck, like, it could be R2-D2. Come on, 3PO. And he goes in. He gets confronted by someone with a gruff, angry voice. And before you know it, he's getting you? blasted in the chest. Don't get up, please. Not boom. Yeah. He tried He tried he, to be polite, but it just didn't work. He should have known ahead of time because the other protocol droid, the other 3PO unit, basically gave him a Huddy's swear. <laughs> he's like, Ichuta. <laughs> it's like, that's not. That's not, not a polite. That's word. not pleasant. That's the censors should have blocked that. That's that's a bad <laughs> word in Hatties. Um, yeah. and yeah, he's blasted apart, and we see his parts scatter onto the floor yeah. as Chewie's like, "Wasn't C three O behind us?" Door closes. Yeah. Ah, we'll find him. And what I love about this is it when you think about it in your mind, at least for me, it feels like all this stuff is so far apart. But there's a quick scene break here where we hop back to Dagobah where Luke is talking about having visions and how he has to go save his friends, right? right? He's kind of reasoning with Yoda about why he has to go. Yoda's trying to convince him not to. And then we're right back to Cloud City, and that pretty much is going to take us through the end of this little section we're talking about. This so, sequence. Yeah. Next up, um, after Luke, you know, after we have those visions, we see where uh, Leia is basically like, you know, back in the room. They're kind of now they're settled in. Her outfit's changed changed and she's going where's 3po no one's seen him what is going on and she's in this just beautiful apartment that's white on white on white so obviously they they got a nice suite from lando for however many days again we always talk about like there's a mystery box of exactly how much time passes in the middle chunks of uh yeah empire but like we do know that at least it's been some hours or days because she's had enough time to change clothes and all that kind of stuff yes exactly and We don't, you know, we know they got to their room and we know they got these new outfits. But beyond that, there's no real representation of a passage of time other than it's been long enough for her to start freaking out that 3PO is gone. And I like that because it's not like she's just sitting around. She already was wary when they arrived. Right. And now here she is like, (laughs) this isn't right. She's questioning it. She can sense. Now, what I love about this is we maybe we'll sort of learn later. This might be her using the force, right? She might be predicting or feeling that something is not quite right. She has a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Especially when you remember that we we are cutting right from Luke leaving because he's like, I can't let my friends die. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan's like, boy, it was our last hope. And Yoda's like, no, there is another. And then we cut to that other. Yeah. In case those at home aren't paying attention to the foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's great. Good point. Very good call out, actually. Love it. Um. And so, obviously, she's freaking out, and Lando goes, well, I know, or Han goes, I know Lando's people are looking for him, and she goes, well, I don't trust Lando, like, that doesn't make me feel any better, and of course, Han is just like, why can't you just trust me on this? Well, I so like, I don't trust him either, but he is my friend, which I'm like, also, that doesn't instill confidence, Han Solo. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all, no, we don't want to know any of your smuggling friends. <laughs> They're probably just a bunch of scoundrels. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. that's who he hangs out yeah, with. Yeah, that's his crowd. I mean, I don't know. what you, you expect him to change just like that? Come on, you're not even I dating. have feelings for you. I expect better from you already. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile here, Chewie comes, uh, you know, comes in with a pile of 3PO. Just yeah, a, a he, pile of parts. He found the Ugnaughts in basically a junk pile. We're disposing of FC3PO. He yeah. saves him from the uh, the conveyor belt and brings him back in a crate. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It doesn't look good. You know, and of course, Leia's like, can you fix them? And there's a great shrug of uh, maybe. And of course, Han's like, Lando's people could do it. I don't want Lando's people to do it. (laughs) And then Lando, speak of the devil, shows up. Hey, everybody. And uh, after he shows a little concern for the droid, he, of course, turns on the charm again. And we should mention that Lando, it's kind of surprising he takes interest in the droid since C-3PO tried to talk to him back on the landing platform and he just swung around like, no, I'm paying attention to the lady. I, I don't really care about you, robot. <laughs> yeah, just totally blew him off. I think uh, maybe Lando has moved on from some of his robot charm over the years, some of his robot love. Well, let's be honest. If he had to, if he had to live with L3, you would have complex feelings around <laughs> robots from there on out. Of like, I like robots. Do you want another one? No. <laughs> And then, of course, we get the smooth Lando line of, you truly belong here with us among the, the clouds. clouds. What's so just like, 
ridiculously And a great little, like, writing. I'd like to invite you to refreshments. Uh, oh, all of you are invited, You're too, invited, I guess. invited, of course, of course. Of course. And as they're walking to their refreshments, uh, this is where we get a little of exposition about Lando, a little more about him. You know, this operation is small enough not to be noticed by the Empire, but he's also not part of the mining well, guild. Well, yeah, Leia has the great thing of like, oh, so you're part of the mining guild. And he's like, well, not exactly either. And we're hearing about all of these things for the first time. You know, that's like, that's new information in the Star Wars universe, the mining guild. That's not something we've heard before. And we should mention that this is a little bit of pulling away from stuff directly in the movie, but like... Bespin's primary export is to Banagas, which yeah. is used for weapons. Blasters and laser cannons used to Banagas mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. energize themselves. Yeah. So it's not exactly weapons dealing, but it's there's many reasons this is off the books. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's a black market business in a lot of ways. Great. I, think I would say interpret. it's great. Yeah. There, there it's it's like, um, how how should I put this? It's like they're not selling weapons. They're just selling a key ingredient to weapons. It's different. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, not the real bad guy. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're one of those people DJ's talking about in The Last Jedi. Correct. It's all Good the guys, same. bad guys. Yeah. They sell to both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they after they learn a little bit about that, you know, Lando has just made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here for good. And as the door opens, as he finishes that line. Han turns and recognizes Darth Vader standing up at the end of this table. Yes. And I love, God bless him, Han just pulls his blaster without a second's thought. No. And fires three quick shots. Vader displaying, for the first time seeing this, an amazing force power, blocking the laser bolts with energy absorption, just boom, they hit his hand. like, is such a power move. What a boss move. Especially because boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And then Lando, you can see Lando's like, I didn't want to do yep. this. And he's just like, I'm sorry, they arrived right before you yep. did. And then and the, the stormtroopers are pulling in. Yes, yes, yes. Boba Fett walks out uh, to Darth Vader's side. The stormtroopers surround them from behind. And I just absolutely love Vader absorbs the shots. He pulls the blaster out of Han's hand and just like, you know, would love for you to join us. We would be honored if you join yeah, us. Yeah, we'd be like, honored if you join us. <laughs> And then they just, and, and then basically yeah. the party just like accepts the, that this is where we're going to go. Yeah. And, like they're and then in, the most awkward dinner party never filmed happens. It would be a great, you know, for the next special edition, the special, special edition. Let's just get that scene. I, in a, in a very surreal way, there is a part of me that would love to actually see. There's a robot chicken version of this, which is very good, <laughs> yeah. acknowledging how awkward this would be. But like, yeah. there's a part of you that would love to actually see someone sit down and try to take it seriously. Yeah. Because there's a lot of information that the party, the group learns right then and there. They learn why things are bad because the Empire's already been here. Yeah. They learn that Lando has betrayed them. Um, and that especially hurts for Han yeah. because Han's like, no, I thought I thought we were over this crap. Yeah. And Boba Fett entering the scene means that Han probably has a really good idea of like, oh, I know how they beat us here. Yeah. I, ca- I, I escaped the Empire. They're idiots. That guy probably figured out what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we know as the audience earlier, we saw Boba follow Han out of the junk pile. Correct. You know, so we knew that was a threat. But, I mean, especially seeing that in a movie theater in 1980, you might not even remember that moment. You know, it was like 30 minutes ago at this point. And you got to think also, like, I would love to see what Leia would say to Vader because we already know she doesn't give a flying fig about him. <laughs> she is, she is already afraid ch- to throw down. <laughs> I should have known Governor Targeter was holding your leash. Yeah. Like, holy... That's when she was 19. Like <laughs> she's grown a lot. You just since took then. you just sacked her base. She's going to be even more mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So For sure. Um so this is important because we established Lando, we established what are the stakes essentially of yes. our third act of our film because yeah. we know the next scene is Luke coming to Cloud City after mm-hmm. all of this has gone sideways. Yeah, he's basically arriving and finding his landing platform and the finale of the film. Well, not yet because there's the torture scene. Basically, there's still the him getting ready to leave Dagobah. But basically, this is the end of the part we're talking about because yeah. this is the end of the film now going into the third act, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I love that it gives Vader something to do. 
because up until this point, you know, think when you think like, um, you know, episode four, right? Right. Basically, Vader is walking around the Death Star. Loki the Intimidating. Vader then fights Obi-Wan. While looking intimidating. And then Vader gets in a TIE fighter. While looking intimidating. And is lost to space. Looking less, but still intimidating. Still intimidating, yes. Now, in this film, so far, we've only seen Vader walking around a starship. Right. And and, so, and to be honest, doing as minimal stuff as possible. I mean, he's choking dudes out with his mind yeah. without moving his hands anymore. Like He is. Now, we, as the audience, are still getting payoff because we see... Vader in his meditation chamber and we yes. see the helmet getting lowered down so that's for us we realize this is a real person and we see Vader talk to the Emperor for the first time right. even if the Emperor we saw in 1980 wasn't the same Emperor we see later on but what's interesting about all of this is they're spending this time to make Vader less of a violent person and more of a human person they're giving you reasons to sort of relate to him a little bit they're developing him in different ways and so when you get to him here he's this scary moment and right away you're seeing him display this power that we haven't seen yet and that brings that intimidation factor back up right well the the great thing about vader in this movie is you see him as a agent of the empire yeah you know like the first stuff you see on him is like well, so the planet's too remote. No, that's where they are. That's the system. Like, yep. it's just him basically day-to-day dealing with his subordinates and just reminding them that I'm the top dog because you're all unworthy. You do not have the magic powers I have to follow a hunch and know it's right. Mm-hmm. You will listen to me or I will choke you to death. Mm-hmm. You, There are no demerits. There are no firing. I only have one verb, kill. <laughs> um, and... But we've also seen him being subordinate for the first time. Like, yeah, Tarkin was there, but like Tarkin definitely seemed like the, well, I, I listen to Tarkin, but we're more like equals. Like, I don't have to listen to Tarkin. I do it because it's the Emperor's will. And now seeing the Emperor, seeing Darth Vader kneel to someone yeah. was a very woe moment. And now we're just remembering that like, he is still that thing you were, that force of nature that you remember and it's so good because it harmonizes him because he grabs the light blaster and then he's like formal we would be honored if you join us we have a cob salad yeah. we're going to eat here and yeah. then i'm going to torture you after that Dude. because i have because i am cutting a deal with calrissian i am not i'm not taking over this place i mean i eventually will but like i'm actually negotiating in good faith here because that's what he needs to do what he just did for me. Yeah. And so you see him as cunning and, and, and again, human seeing him as an intelligent creature, not just a wrecking ball. For sure. This whole movie builds up Vader's skill without a lightsaber. And we see the great moment from the rest of the third act is, Lando really didn't want this to happen. He's just a man of responsibility and he has to weigh the entire facility and all its inhabitants, all whatever is like 30 K people that live in this place. He needs to protect them. Yeah. Even it means betraying his best friend. Yeah. He's sticking to his role and really he is doing the thing that is best for the greatest number of people. So it makes sense. He's grown up and Leia, while she has the most emotional reaction to it, it should be relatable. Leia's done that her whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why after the fact, that's why she probably comes to respect and like Lando because she probably after the fact sees his position. Can because, accept him for what he's done. Even though he's responsible for this in some way, she understands that it's, he's not at fault. He had to do it for the greater good kind yeah, of stuff. And, for sure. and he only evacuates the city when he's like, I'm helping you not because I didn't want to help you before, but because yeah. I realize mm-hmm. I'm never going to get what I want. These people are in danger, period. Mm-hmm. So the guy with the ice cream machine and all his family need to get off of this planet. <laughs> and they do. And they are successful. But unfortunately, after this initial evacuation of Cloud City, the Empire does take ownership of it for a time. But we'll talk about that in another topic. All right.
so we mentioned that we just saw the scene where they arrive on Cloud City. And we mentioned Lando yeah. comes out to greet them. But there's yeah. another person who comes out to greet them as well. A uh, guy in a nice sky blue number there <laughs> with um, what looks like, I believe Conan O'Brien once described it as, it looks like he got to the DMV and they put a boot on his head. <laughs> I would have described it as like electronic earmuffs. He has, yeah. he has um, this whole loaf of technology attached to the back of his head. Uh, called the AJ-6 Cyborg Construct. It's essentially a computer attached to his head that is used to calculate battlefield information. So think of like the command droids in the prequels, you know, during the yeah. Clone Wars era. That's how I interpret it. It's basically like here is this machine that the user interface is so advanced that the only way to do it is to connect it directly to your brain. Do you think that Trench had that when he got his upgrades? Do you think he has one of those in him? It's possible. I could see that cuz General possible. Trench gets the whole cyborgish thing. Yeah. Um yeah, and, it, and and again, the Clone Wars establishes how important it is that uh, most militaries have computers and yeah. droids doing a lot of the calcul the data stuff. For sure, it's like it's an essential piece of the war effort. And here you have this man who now, instead of using it to calculate, you know, battle positions and uh, ship movements, is using it to run. A, an administration wing of a facility. He is basically like the city's supercomputer, handling everything from, you know, organization, citizen needs, stuff like that. He is sort of like the hub, the control center right. of this sort of very futuristic city. Yeah, he he is Lando's right-hand man, Lobot. Yeah. I don't think we know his name yet. Oh, Lobot. Could we not? Um, yeah. And his whole thing is we see him as the... Um, if if Lando is the CEO of Cloud City, then Lobot is the COO of yeah. uh, of the city. He seems like the guy who takes care of the the day to day needs. The guards respond to him. He's constantly using that computer and stuff to kind of assess what's going on in the city and 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 form the administrator and all that kind of stuff. He seems really wired up to what's going on in the city, literally and <laughs> yeah. figuratively. Yes. Yes, he has a direct connection. Now, he's had a lot of different stories in Legends, but yeah. when we focus it down to canon, his biggest other story outside of his appearance in um, Empire is sort of his origin story told in the Lando comic book limited run series. Yes, yes. So this is a very short uh, five-issue run that I read at the very beginning of quarantine. So I read this for the mm. first time in April. Um, I've owned it for a couple of years since it was published, but I just never got around to reading it. And so I went and read it. And to be totally honest with you, besides The Rise of Kylo Ren and a few other kind of one-off comics, mm -hmm. it's actually maybe my favorite sort of short run Marvel has done. I I think I liked all the short runs yeah. better. Like the Princess Leia first yeah. short run was really, really good. Yes, yes, that is when she's trying to collect Alderanians. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, some really good stuff. But this one is really fun. Now, we're not going to go. We're not, this isn't the comic. We're not reviewing this entire sure. arc. We're really just talking about Lobot's big character moments. And basically, this is the part of Lobot that is now gone. This part of Lobot, you know, his personality, his actual human nature, he basically is constantly in a battle with this artificial intelligence type thing that has been implanted in his head. Correct. And so if he is not sort of concentrating on staying in control of it, it can sort of take over. And there have been times in the past where it's gotten bad, but he's always been able to come back. Well, him and Lando, along with some other uh, scoundrels, go right. on a mission. They get a tip that an imp important Imperial vessel is going to be located in this area that they think they can easily rob. So they find this Imperial ship called the Imperialis. They steal it. And they realize pretty quickly that it's someone important ship. It uh, you know has a bunch of mysterious artifacts on it. There's lots of star destroyers after them, chasing them. More so than there should be. They must just a yeah. They expect it to just be an advanced ship. They're going to try and sell and move on. Right. But they find all these rare artifacts and eventually put the pieces together that well, this like, might we, be someone important. Yeah. Ship. We're like do, we just thought we stole some like moths like weekend pleasure cruiser. Yeah. And they find out that. No, this is the personal yacht of someone 
a little higher up. Yeah, a little higher up. So the personal yacht of Emperor Palpatine himself. And of course, it's not widely known that Emperor Palpatine is a Sith. But Lando sort of knows that, oh, I think I've heard rumors that Palpatine collects old stuff like this. Yeah, she's into that kind of thing. Yeah, and so this is still, you know, Lobot. And Lobot and Lando are close. They're friends. And throughout this mission, some Imperial Guards end up impaling Lobot with a staff, with, you know, basically the a spear. The force pikes. Yeah. And he's injured. And he can't finish what he's doing, cracking the ship, you know, controlling it, piloting it, and all that stuff, giving right. it the information it needs. He can't do that and keep his wound tended. And he, uh, he's spread you know, too thin. Yeah, he's, he's tr- being asked to do too many things. And while they do get him to a back to tank in time and save his life... The, uh, you know, intelligence inside of his head, inside of his implants, takes over and he loses his personality. Yeah, he, he can believe himself. He becomes completely synthesized with the cybernetics yeah. to the point that he's more machine than man now. <laughs> By the time we see Lobot on Cloud City, he's basically... A, a bipedal computer. Yeah, a cyborg. He's a hu- I don't know. Is cyborg he's, he's, the right? Well, we, we talked in a previous episode yeah. about how uh, with Dr. Ivaza's as uh, uh, yeah, can't say his name <laughs> is it like evzon evzon yeah we talked about him and what he can't does in say. his spare time in current canon and this is apparently it, it's apparently a common thing for uh in the universe that yes you can have a robot replace um a human brain and our cybernetics are good enough that you could just have it run that meat mobile and that's sort mm-hmm. of where lobot is is he has probably ambitions and stuff that he had as a person, but now they are all filtered through just a computer interface. Yeah. He yeah. just, I think the best way you put it is he's, he's like catatonic as mm-hmm. far as personality goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, it's like uh, having a split personality and only one personality is actually shown and dominant. And the other one is just completely lost. Yeah. It's you just know, submerged. Just, yeah. it's uh... Uh, And Lando keeps slow, but around because he, 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 he's like, he not only just feels guilty, but he's like, I think, yeah. I wonder if there's any way to fix this. Like, yeah. are you still in there? Is it, is it submerged or is yeah. it obli- ob- in oblivion? You yeah. know, what is so cool about Lando in general is this is just another instance. Now, I mean, in 1980, this, none of this even existed. This story, this, you know, all this Lobot was just this random thing. Lobo but, was a cool cyborg to show you that Star yeah. Wars has cyborgs and he's called Lobot because that's a name for a robot. And when you think about yes. it, that'd be a really cruel name for a guy who lost himself yes. to being a robot. Yes. And they add all of these instances of Lando showing that he is willing to stick by his friends. Yes. Right. Like even though he's introduced almost as a villain or an anti-hero here. Right. Initially, this, story that has sort of been retconned in of Lobot added in over the years is basically another example of his relationship with Han, his relationship with L3, eventually his relationship with the gang as a whole. You know, they they keep showing that Lando is willing to make sacrifices for his friends, even though right. he is such a self-centered, individualistic person. And that rides through even other materials, like the way he treats like Ezra and some of the other rebels yeah. is still that like, Yes, I'm a scoundrel, but I have a real obvious limit, and I really do like to help people. Yes, <laughs> yes. He likes people to like him. That's how I right. interpret it. That's a good and way to so put it. so for me, that's why I think he has Lobot still around, is he feels not only personally responsible for some of what happened, mm-hmm. but he also realizes that his friend is useful, and he can keep an eye on him and keep him close well, and take And care Lando of him. will treat him with respect. If he ends up anywhere else, people yeah. will not remember him as a person and treat him like property. I I would imagine so. I would imagine if he got stranded on Patu, he would be uh enslaved pretty quick, you know. Yeah, indentured servant. It's and, different. Sure, sure, um, of course. I mean, yes. and so in canon, that's kind of where his story goes, though, is by no means of Lando trying like yeah. Lobot doesn't escape because Lobot stays on Cloud City to to see everyone get evacuated because he can do that. <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit in uh, Star Wars Uprising. Mm-hmm. So apparently uh, I haven't played. This is a mobile game. I tried it. Yeah, I, not for me. Well, the whole thing is there's a moth in the Anoa system and Anoa yeah. system. I, I believe it started in in. Dark Force is the first we named it. And it's a part of the system no, of the galaxy known for industrial mm-hmm. use. They, it's, it's things like Tabana gas mining and all these other like 
kind of industrial chemical processes. And the moth there, when the empire falls, he creates what's called the iron blockade and basically locks the system up tight. He's like, I may not be able to save everyone in the empire, but the empire will stay in my system. Um, And Lobot, who happens to be in system at the time because his home is Bespin, he ends up helping lead resistances against the moth. (laughs) Yes. And eventually they take back Cloud City successfully. Correct. Uh, And so far, that's all the Lobot we have. Um, There have been, you know, some Lobot figures over the years, some Lobot merch, but he's not, uh, not I wouldn't say an insanely popular figure. No Lobot figure yet. I was hoping um, for this year, for the 40th anniversary, but hasn't happened. Um, It could happen, though. We're finally getting a Jar Jar. We're finally Ooh. getting some of the characters who we need. Lobot is an, an eventual choice. For sure. Well, you figure that Lobot might come out because couldn't you see like two Bespin guards and a cloud car being six inch scale someday? Oh, I'd love that. You know, I'd buy that. I, I think it's possible. Yeah. But Lobot's interesting is, like we said, the biggest thing, his biggest contribution as Star Wars is establishing cyborgs. Yeah. We've seen Vader, but this proves that cyborgs are common enough place that no one bats an eye at the guy who's got this computer in the back of his head and that they're they can be mental because i mean i mean obviously one of the things about lobot is we see like when lando's like i need help he we see that uh, an encrypted comm signal is intercepted by lobot he's like oh lando needs me yes. <laughs> like it's it's kind of a cool thing to see that despite this sci fantasy world there is a lot of tech yeah. and some of that tech is far beyond what we can do in our world. Yeah. That's all. I mean, yes, I couldn't have said it better. I agree with all that. All right. Well, until there's more to say about Lobot, I think, I think we're good. I hope there is one day. He's we'll a go- fun character. Yeah, he is. He really is. Do we want to go talk about his house, his home? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Bespin, Cloud City, the city among the clouds. Yeah. It's got a few names, Mm -hmm. but I just like to call it that place where Lobot is from. I mean, that's really the most important thing about it. I think everything else is trivial next to that. Yeah. Oh, and and Ungnots. Ungnots are from there. Are they from there? Are they local to Bespin? Well, I didn't know that. You get a point there. I don't know if they're local to Bespin, but it's where we first meet. Ugnots. That's where I the, can, we originally. They're see from them, there sure. in the sense of, in the storytelling, they're from there. <laughs> oh, sure, now I gotta go. Sure. Okay, you talk amongst the people. Yeah, I'm find, go find out where Ugnots are from. That's something I'm go I find don't out where, know. if they're indigenous or not. Okay, too. so we're gonna find out. But in the meantime, let's talk about this city in the clouds. So what we're talking about here is not necessarily the planet or the gas giant of Bespin, we are talking specifically the structure that floats above it, Cloud City, where Lando Calrissian is the administrator of during the time of the Galactic Civil War. Correct. Now, this city we see significantly more of in the special editions. We see this in uh, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, as every topic from this episode is from Basically, we spent some time flying around outside the city. We spent some time looking around inside the city hallways. We spent some time um, looking out windows, which is mostly added in the special edition. And then, of course, we spend some time in the carbon freezing chamber um, and in a few other sections later on. Mac, what did you find? Anything about Ugnaughts? So um, when Carillion Lord Ecclesius Fig... <laughs> commissioned the city, the floating city on Bespin. He hired many, many Ugnaughts uh, due to their reputation as industrial and loyal workers, and in exchange for their service, he gave them several of the lower levels of the city to build their own homes. Oh, that's fun. They are originally from the planet Gentis. Okay, okay. Or Gentis, I don't know if that's a softer, hard G. <laughs> the more you know. So they're not from there, but 
it's maybe one of the bigger Ugnaught colonies in the galaxy. Sure, sure. They've definitely got work there. They do. They definitely have work. So, um, Mac, what are your thoughts on this city? I know you're a big fan of it from a design standpoint. Well, the thing that's so interesting about Cloud City is it was, I would argue, fairly recent science fiction. Because it wasn't that long before this that the Viking program, like, probed Jupiter and got pictures of it. And we really understood what a gas giant was. It wasn't theoretical. We were starting to see pictures of it. And so, like, they basically said, hey, you know, in, like, 74, we found out what Jupiter looks like. Wouldn't it be cool if there's a place you could live there? Well, you couldn't. There's no land. It's just a swirling bunch of clouds. But what if you had a city amongst those clouds, just like a flying city? And it's like this beautiful design of this giant inverted pendulum, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's the first beautiful place we see in Star Wars. Oh, that's it. Yeah, you're right. It's the first refined, you know, high class type of place we've seen in the Star Wars universe when we got here. We spent all of episode four on a dirt planet Mm -hmm. and a harsh... brutalist industrial complex. Yeah, I was going to say, you could say the Death Star is advanced, but you know, well, that's No, it is I mean. advanced, yeah. but it's it's brutalist. Yeah. In, in the architectural standpoint, it is a function-only place. Yes. And then the other only other places we see are like Yavin, which is like the ruins of a lost civilization where a bunch yeah. of people are hiding out. Yeah. And then we see Hoth, which is a bunch of ice claves where a whole bunch of people are hiding out. <laughs> a whole bunch of Star Destroyers, which are basically Death Stars. Yeah. Um, and you're right. This is the first time we see a place of like, I, I, I would want to live there. This is the only place we've been that has a formal dining room. It's true. And actually, in a weird way, now you think about it, this is the first time we see civilians in Star Wars. Everybody else is a rebel or an imperial running around except for a Mos Eisley. And Mos Eisley is different. Like, these are people who want to live here. They're not yeah. forced to live here. They didn't yeah. end up in the back Good point. Waters. I was going to say, you know... Owen and Baru were civilians, but beyond that, yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess civilians probably pushing it too far, but I'm like, yeah. I, it shows you what middle class life looks like out there in the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, I think this might be more upper class, but I get your point. Well, upper middle, uh, sure, 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 sure. That guy I guess, with the ice cream machine—that's the only thing he has to save. I don't think he's we're doing on well the off. same page here. Yeah, what's Will Rohood's salary each year? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't know their GDP. Okay, let's really let's get up. back to so uh, what we see is this brilliant again yeah. taking from the color palette of Jupiter. Yeah. We take these swirling yellows and creams, mm-hmm. oranges with hints of red, and mm-hmm. we basically make a world where it's perpetually like an hour before sunset. <laughs> it's like golden hour for yes, photography. Constantly. Constantly. Yes. Um and we just kind of plop down this kind of rust-colored um, what would you even call it? This just, again, this giant, like upside down plumb bob, this upside down pendulum. That's just top, ha- almost like a top. A top. Yeah. 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 Like where the tall skinny part is the base and then it goes up to a flat basin and then the superstructure of the city creates almost another point, but essentially uh, a, a, a long skinny base with a round flat top. And I will steal from a different sci-fi series, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it hangs in the air much in the way that bricks don't. It just gracefully sits there. We yeah. don't see giant fans or engines or it just hangs yeah like an ornament on a christmas tree just hangs in the air no rotating no hover propulsion it's just there and we can see just on the very top of it this like city skyline yeah and as we land there and as luke does a flyby and we see leia at her apartment we notice that there's this bustling metropolis this this micro metropolis just sitting in the upper bowl of this place looking out at all the beautiful cloudscapes i love the gorgeous outdoor walkways that you eventually see like people are out almost like they're out in outer space just floating there yeah it's so cool even though it's blue skies and clouds yes you know it's your traditional kind of outdoors the one that we don't see on cloud city um i don't think there's night on cloud city like, I don't think there's a day-night cycle there. I think it's mm. kind of perpetually daytime. Yeah. Because the only close thing we get is, like, the prison cell, and that's just because it doesn't have windows. Yeah, we never really see evening on Cloud City, so we don't really know. And I don't know if it's there. What about in Episode Nine when we see it? It's still kind of, like, dusk, right? It's, like, dark yellow, I think. I kind of get the idea that, like, 
that time when they let the Millennium Falcon lands and it's like red. Yeah. It's not as orangey or yellow or yeah. bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's night. Like, Interesting. I think this, I don't think this planet has an actual time where it's not facing a star in its system. Very fun. Um, Very and it's fun. beautiful. It's, it's an homage to like mm-hmm. a lot of Art Nouveau, lots and lots of curves mm-hmm. and um, textured patterns uh, gracefully. Like half the doors look like a Zen garden was written on them. Uh, we also see all these round, you know, uh, shapes like all mm-hmm. the squares are rounded off. Mm-hmm. We see lots of circles and ovals and ellipses, and it's just a very gentle thing. And this is one of the places where, even if you're a stalwart, oh, I don't like the special edition, you kind of got to give it to this because in for sure, 80, it adds so much. We saw a lot of white soft lit panels. Mm-hmm. And in the special editions, we cut those panels out and made them into windows. Mm-hmm. And so you can see so much more of the planet. The planet feels so much more open, air, and alive. Mm-hmm. It almost has like a Greek temple kind of feel of just how open the columns and structures of all the buildings are. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, because it, it still has that city feel. It doesn't feel small. No. But it doesn't feel clustered or dense either. No, like, it, it has... feels like there's plenty of parking. Play. <laughs> yes. You know, that's how I interpret well, it. You got to park. Wait a minute. Isn't it nighttime during the Cloud City escape? Again, it's in that dark red yeah, time. Yeah, it's not quite pitch black, isn't it? And and part of me goes also like, I don't know what, uh, you know, they obviously went and took some aerial photographies and matte paintings to create the space that they're using. And yeah. I like, I don't know. I don't know if you expose film at night up there in aerial photography. So that might (laughs) be a reason that there's no day night. Interesting. Um, Interesting. But, you know, we see this just very elegant, very beautiful city. And we also see there's a lot of industrial parts to it because as Luke is chased around. Yeah, I was going to say it's not all that pretty on the inside in certain areas. I say down in Ugnaught Town. There's a lot yeah. more uh, leaking pipes and gas yeah. and mist. <laughs> and I think it's important to show that kind of underbelly, too. You know, it's that two-sided duality that yeah. Lando has kind of represented in Cloud City. It's pretty on the surface, but underneath there's something menacing. And and I think for the people of Cloud City, of like, oh, yes, we have a really nice shopping district and stuff upstairs, <laughs> yeah. but we work hard here. <laughs> it does feel like these are the go-getters. These are the alpha types. These are the... Yeah, we're here to we're here to make our bank. And These are all people party. that are risking a lot to make yeah. their fortunes because they want to do better. For sure. So it again, it's got positive that way. And we we see them chase down, and then we get to the central shaft where whatever is I, I would guess is the central ventilation for the city. Um, that would make sense. Because um, often I've heard it called a weather control vein is the thing that Luke and Vader are talking on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a weather control and saying that this big vertical column doesn't have its own weather. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a problem in yeah. really, really massive skyscrapers is that clouds can form inside the building and you don't want that. Interesting. Oh, did I you not know, know that? that? No. Yeah. Two things that are great about skyscrapers. If their ventilation systems are open enough, they can have their own weather inside. Because enough uh, hydration and stuff can form clouds inside. And most skyscrapers over 100, 100 feet have a giant counterweight somewhere inside of them. Really? So that when the building sways, there's something to keep it from swaying too far beyond its breaking point. Interesting. It's fascinating. Very interesting. Man, we are just an interesting civilization, aren't we? Humans can do pretty amazing things when they put their minds to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The other thing I like about Cloud City is it's another place that can only happen in science fiction. This isn't a reference to the fantasy side of Star Wars. This is, like I said, at the time would have been fairly new imaginary ideas about what we could do with spaced insulations. Because, again, the idea of a gas giant had been around for centuries of that's what people thought Saturn yeah. and, and Jupiter were. But... Now that we knew what they were, that they were just these swirling, like, to be honest, weather systems, like that there's that there's a hurricane the size of Earth, a couple yeah. Earths actually on Jupiter. Like that was a fairly fresh idea. Interesting. And I really think that's where Cloud, I think that's why Cloud City has the palette it does. All those creamy oranges. It's not just because of sunset. I think it's because it's reminding people of 
that planet in our own galaxy and said, hey, we could live there sometime. Yeah. These people can. Interesting. I I would really love to spend some more time there. Not only in film or TV, but I would love to just, you know, explore like a like a novel, like a like a collection of short stories of citizens of yeah. Cloud City during the Empire's takeover. Tales oh, of Cloud City. Yeah, so I'd be a big fan of something yeah, like that. Yeah, because they're this they're they're started by a Corellian and it's this very open, like entrepreneurial thing. Mm-hmm. And then Lando eventually ends up with it. It it has been avoiding having to become part of the mining guild and it's been avoiding being part of the empire. And mm-hmm. then the empire claps down. And we talked about in Lobot section about how it's been, you know, under lockdown and mm-hmm. they have to go fight for it. And we even see in some of that, we see some fighting around it in like star Wars battlefront two. Uh, we fly around a little bit um, cloud city and it's a really fascinating place. So it is, it's a fun place to be. And unique. It still remains very unique in the vocabulary of Star Wars planets. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen anything like it. And uh, who knows if we ever will again. Uh, Yeah. I guess Mandalore, other than the fact that it's in bubbles. Well, there's one or two facilities that the Rebels go to that are also these kind of sky hooks over gas giants. But they're not pretty. (laughs) No, not at all. They're mean. nearly as gorgeous as this. But... um, yeah, Cloud City is a winner. It is. It is. It's a ton of fun. That Cloud City Lego playset's kind of crazy. Oh my no? gosh, that just came out and it's ridiculous. Yeah, the Lego, before quarantine, the Lego store in our mall had it built Yeah. Uh, to see in person and it was fun. Man, Lego is making, that Moss Eisley sets out just now. Just crushing it. Just crushing it. If you're a Lego collector, I feel for your wallet. I was going to say, if you're a Lego yeah. collector and you have disposable income, they've got you down. They know they what really, kind of a mark you really are. They really do. They, I really should have bought that when they did the Star Destroyer Ultimate Collector set. Mm. I think if I could have got one, that would have been it. Well, they did a Super Star Destroyer a number of years ago. I don't know if you remember. Oh, I remember. That would be my dream. And I still am amazed that that didn't have more parts than the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> For real. It, it, it's, it must be a matter of, of, of quality versus mm-hmm. quantity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll just wrap up there. That Cloud City is a really amazing place. Beautiful. I really suggest if anyone can get your hands on the art books, look at how they developed that planet because so much of the art is amazing because before the special edition, they had to sell you what the outside looked like with all these really, really thought out uh, matte payment, payment, mm-hmm. paint, eh, paintings. And they did a really lot of work to do some of the flybys to make those matte paintings feel like they were alive in techniques that were much more difficult to do back then. So great stuff. The set design of all of Star Wars will always be amazing. Oh god! Not only for the the carbon freezing, but just the even now. The carbon freezing chamber is one of the most beautiful places in Star Wars, and and it's not a nice place. I'm not saying I want to build a summer (laughs) home there, but like. If I could yeah. have a room in my house that has all that orange plating and stuff, ugh. Yes, for sure. Ugh. So good. You want to wrap this thing? I think we should, yeah. Let's do it. All right, Copilot, let's land this cloud car of an episode. A cloud car would be perfect for us because it's specifically a two-seater. It is a two-seater. Do you think it has microphones? Can you report a co- you could probably record a podcast in there? Yeah, I bet you could. A sound might signed... be a little echoey, but I yeah. don't know. I don't know. The isolation might be really good. Mm, that could be. Could Depends be. how insulated it is. Like cars are not bad places yeah. to record in a pinch. Definitely better than a snow speeder, which would be our other two-seat option. It would get annoying because land speeder open top. Talking to no, your no, back. No. Tiny back would be yeah, just a Dak. Can you hear? Can you hear? I'll just switch the radio on. It's easier mm-hmm. than trying to turn my head back towards you. Mm-hmm. Not pleasant, but the cloud car. Cloud oh, car. Ooh la la. It's the vehicle of choice for the duos of Star Wars. You may think this is a fourth topic for the cloud car. It's not. 
No, we've said what we need to say about the cloud car, other than finding like its its actual number. Well, yeah. okay, so we had a little <laughs> bit of a Cloud City episode. Uh, we're trying we're trying out some light theming. Yeah, I don't think we're trying to do heavy stuff, uh, but yeah. we're trying some light grouping motifs. some things together, trying to cover a wider array of topics. Yeah, and trying to give folks a reason to sort of stick through all of them because I know a lot of folks you don't have your commutes and stuff like that anymore. Um, we originally wrote this as a very like pick and choose or like hitting random on the Wikipedia. Like we wanted them to be kind of eclectic. Yeah. And now I think that more and more people are just going to listen to it straight through. It, we're trying some stuff. Let us know if you have a preference. Yeah. Star Wars do. all in on Twitter. Yeah. That's the that's easiest the, way to get a hold yeah, of us for sure. Uh, Star Wars all in at gmail.com. We check that sometimes. Occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> when we remember to, when we remember to, uh, uh, yeah. And, and, and we'll be trying that again. Cause we're actually going to do a bit of a special episode next week. I can mm-hmm. say that. It's going to be fun. We're going to go and mm, I'm going to call it, we're going to review the mini movie. That is the conclusion of the clone wars. It's yeah. technically the last four episodes, but we're going to kind of talk about them as a whole cloth yes. story. Cause yes. I, I think if you look between the lines, that's how it's meant to be watched for sure. For sure. And it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, because it's, so it's much fun to we're, we're getting to an anniversary because Clone Wars would have launched um, what, in 2008 uh, when about when that episode publishes. So it'd be fun. Clone Wars is 12 years old. So anything going I see you have I see you have some items with you. Anything you oh, want to tell about yeah. the treasure trove? Some, you? some new mail calls here. I've got uh, my uh, my Kit Fisto Black Series finally came in. Mac was disappointed he didn't have his big crack smile that he has after he it's pushes three PO over in the Geonosian arena. It's a very very good figure, but I will always think of Kit Fisto with a just huge thousand watt smile. Oh, for sure. Um, so it's great. He looks great, just like the Plo Koon. This is figure number one twelve, um, and probably one of the last ones we'll be getting in this traditional red and black box. Oh, that's true. Because we're moving on to the new boxing convention. Um, basically all new figures coming out. I have an Admiral Akbar coming tomorrow who should be in the new box, the new style box. So hmm. I'm pretty pumped to see that. Um, I also got my car, another carbonized Vader here, uh, that I'm looking forward to opening. Cause uh, now that you have your, your backup, you can, finally... yeah, this is because I collect Vader specifically. I was sure. going to keep the carbonized one in the box. But then I just ended up getting a second one because I liked it so much. <laughs> uh, and then I have the uh, so the collector's edition volume one, uh, the art and imagery of the Mandalorian. Uh, this is a Titan book from Titan Publishing, and yeah. this is basically a hardcover, um, very tall and thin art book that has concept art from the Mandalorian. But the thing about this that I'll tell you, because we just took a minute and looked through it here before we started the show, is that it is very, very small compared to a lot of Star Wars art books you might be used to. Sure. Because it is just paintings of what essentially ended up being the finished product on screen. Being used in the episodes. Yeah. So there's not a lot of spoilery stuff or unused stuff in here it's very much a here are concepts for the mandalorian and things we painted once the script was done and here are things of you know the child here are things of the moth here are things of the troopers and it's a lot of stills of things we recognize so basically what i'm saying is the fact that this says volume one on the front the fact that it's so small and the fact that anything that maybe didn't make it into the first season of mandalorian could potentially come in later it makes sense that there's not a lot of unused art in here. So if they're going to release one of these a year and that's only going to be 10 or 15 bucks, uh, I'm on board. I will uh, I will gladly buy one of these a year. I think it's, it's worth very, it. It's very nice. I really like yeah. it. But just know going in, it is a pretty small book for an art book, a Star Wars art book. Yeah. But also there's very little cruff in there. It, it's all, yeah. all. It's pretty much all the art. There's a yeah. few paragraphs in there, but it's, it's not as yeah. detailed as a normal as a lot of art books are. Yeah. It's very nice. It's nice. It's a collection. Um, all the authors are listed on the back. Uh, there's a bunch, so I'm not going to read them, but it's it's quite nice. Yeah, we're, we're in full Mando Mondays getting set up to go towards the Mandalorian. I, I, I found out too late that they released a vinyl collection of the Mandalorian Season 1 yeah. soundtrack. Uh, I found out about it, realized that it sold out microseconds after it was put up on Mondo, and that there was no chance of me getting it. And also it's every single track from the soundtrack. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's a lot. 
it's it's more than eight di- i think it's a nine lp or something like that I, I can't remember because they have for each episode has a full soundtrack. oh maybe it's a two it might be two discs per it was like two hundred dollars and i was yeah, like that's awesome but could i just get like a greatest hits two-sided lp and just call it a day yeah give me like a for 45 like that's 35 just the pawns of sorgan and the main mando theme yeah that i, I take that <laughs> i mean yeah. No, I want more than that. But that would be my idea. Well, if you're gonna give you it know. to me for like fifteen or twenty dollars as a forty-five, yeah, I'll take it. That. Yeah. But sure. if not, yeah. yeah. But it's it's really cool. If you did get your hands on it, I'm I'm thoroughly jealous of you. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful box Envious, set for sure. Um, who doesn't love Star Wars collectibles? No one who listens my to wife. this show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, having said that. Uh huh. Well. Until we get back to talking about Star Wars next week, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and the respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.